1: Welcome to Concussion Talk Podcast. I'm Nick Mercer. This is episode fifty-seven. I'll be talking to Dr. Jessica Schwartz. Concussion Talk Podcast is presented by HeadCheck Health. HeadCheck Health bridges the gaps in concussion care through simple, powerful technology. Join organizations like the Canadian Football League, Track Factory Racing, the Canadian Junior Hockey League, Eastern Washington University and Volleyball Canada, who rely on headjay Health to improve communication and optimize care. Visit com for more. Hi, and welcome. This is uh, episode 57, I'm talking to Dr. Jessica Schwartz, who is a physical therapist and is the host of Concussion Corner Podcast, and uh, Jessica, Dr. Schwartz, can you please just tell everybody, introduce yourself better than I, just did more. More information about you and how you got your concussion. What got you started in in the concussion space?
0: Of course, hey Nick! Thanks for having me. And um, you know, it's—I uh, think we're doing a pretty good job right now. I'm in New York City, and you're in Canada. And uh, I think this is what they call social distancing. Yeah, yes. So, yes. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah I—you know—just uh, for folks to 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 get to know, I met Nick. Gosh, um, I suffered a concussion in 2013, and around 2013-2014, I started looking online, and I actually found Nick and his story. Oh, yeah, yeah
1: uh, no, I shouldn't mention that. Shouldn't mention that you were. On episode ten of Concussion Talk podcast, so sorry, you're one of my first guests. Episode ten, so Nick, I you. don't did did I do that? Did I do a concussion co- uh, talk did, with you
0: guys? You did, oh you my did
1: Concussion Talk podcast. You did, uh, you talked about your the rear end that the rear end there that caused you, sorry, my That's, head, my wow, that caused you a concussion, and and uh, this is before. Before you went into EIM, that's
0: try and, uh, Oh my God, uh,
1: way back then, and just when you just started, I didn't didn't have concussion quarter podcast then.
0: That's right. Yeah. So so I'm a physical therapist here in New York City and uh, I did my residency in orthopedics at NYU and um, was at a lovely company that I was working with um, and made junior partner the week I got rear ended by a car here in New York City. So um, it was an unlicensed driver, totally unsuspecting at a, a red light. I was totally stopped, didn't see anything coming and uh, totally changed my life. So while I was doing about uh, 10 to 14 hours of rehab a week for 14 mm. months. I was like, man, we've got to really be able to do this better. Um, I started reaching out and kind of being a voyeur because I was a little bit nervous about being a healthcare provider and interacting on these, you know, social media support group sites. But I learned so much from listening and watching and kind of living what other people literally around the world were doing. Um, And I think in those, in those, um, Facebook support groups. I think there's yeah. over 10,000 10, people now. It's insane. And yeah. um, it, the story is not too different from 2013 uh, when I went through my journey uh, to 2020. So I kind of said, you know, hey, you know, while I was really sick, I was like, how can I make this better? So yeah. uh, I started the world's first concussion education program for clinicians. Um, that's year-long post-professional And interdisciplinary, and that was from 2015 to 2018.
1: Sorry, sorry, post professional for whom? For just Uh, doctors or physios? Yeah, so
0: everyone, physician to physio and athletic trainer and everybody in between.
1: Okay.
0: Um, and that finished up in 2018. So I said, okay, so that that program wrapped up, and you know, how can I, you know, keep this going while I work on some some small projects behind the scenes? Um, so I started Concussion Corner podcast. Uh, actually probably got everything together within about 2 to 3 weeks uh once I was asked to um host the concussion summit at the 2018 Super Bowl in Minneapolis um mm-hmm. uh, Minnesota so I kind of put everything together for that time and we launched during that week and you know the rest has been history we're coming up on 40,000, uh, downloads and we're in over 40 countries from literally Myanmar to Denmark and Canada and everywhere in between. So it's been a very, um, humbling experience to be welcomed by a community, um, you know, and kind of laying the groundwork for, you know, a consistent voice and advocate, you know, for folks that, that need a consistent voice and advocacy in, in the brain injury world.
1: Exactly. That's great. Yeah. So, uh, Just on on terms, there in terms of your podcast, I mean, because we you told us a bit before. If you want, people want to listen to episode episode ten of Concussion Talk podcast, or find Concussion Corner podcast. And I'm sure you talk about your injury on episode one of that. I'm sure, Dan.
0: I actually don't. Uh, So I actually just go right into it, and I I speak in episode one of Concussion Corner, the podcast. Um, that you can find on everything from Apple to Google to Spotify and uh, literally iHeartRadio I and everywhere that has a podcast pretty much. Um, I actually t- go right after the, the narrative story of concussion. So I speak to Dr. Jeff Kutcher, who was the leading neurologist, one of the leading neurologists that led the, um, the fight to essentially um, define concussion and talk about concussion, and in 2004 – Uh, American Academy of Neurology didn't even want to have anything to do with the word concussion, uh, despite it being a brain injury Mm -hmm. as we know it today. Um, So he really led the good fight and got concussion in. um, And neurologists um, in this country of the United States started getting formal training in concussion and traumatic brain injury uh, in 2015 um, in the United States, which is is pretty mind boggling um, considering, you know, what we've lived through and all of the unknowns and, and gray areas no pun intended mm-hmm. um, that we that we have in, in brain injury so um, you know I saw my role as literally okay how can I disseminate sound trusted interdisciplinary conversations um, for healthcare advoca- advocacy and sports um, to make sure people are just getting sound free open access medical education which is a, a movement I, I work with on, on social media called foam ed. Um, to get sound facts out there just because there's a lot of garbage um, that has been pushed out there uh, yeah. by publicity and, and um, you know sports narratives that just aren't helpful or real. Um, so what I realized is that folks that were on Medicaid and the poorest of poor and folks that are um, Division One athletes or Olympians, Gold Medal Olympians, were having the same issue of finding good health care. Um, so I really just hope to spread the good word of, what to look for in a clinician when, um, you know, seeking assistance and what clinicians should – who they should try to emulate to be like um, and or surpass in, you know, 2020 uh, so we can help patients for today and tomorrow.
1: Okay. Okay. So um, you mentioned uh, – well, mentioned gray areas. And uh, so have you talked to many neurologists or just brains, PhDs in, in, a brain, in neurology or in brain science? You talk to doctors, scientists, or do you talk to any of the doctors and physicians, physicians and physical therapists, on your podcast?
0: Um, so we talked to everybody, um, and primarily it's been um, physicians of all types and uh, physical therapists, especially in the vestibular and sports world. Um, Karen Scop has been on, who's lovely. Um, Lenore Hergett's out of MGH. Um, Karen Scop's out of the VA in Tampa. She formed right. one of the first – she formed the first green team um, for TBI in this country, and she's a what lovely, lovely – What does green team um, mean? green team is, uh, the, the, basically the brain injury team, um, for the Tampa, for the veteran affairs for the VA in the United States. So all of our veterans, so she led that work down at the Tampa VA. Um, and yeah, everyone in between, we're going to have occupational therapists on, we've had athletic trainers, um, researchers, scientists, clinician scientists, um, you know, just to Literally have a conversation of, hey, what's going on in the world, and what's your research, and to try to disseminate their research because if you um, are in the academic world, you realize about an average of eight to nine people will read a paper, a white paper, a research paper uh, in this world, and what we, you know, you know, one of them's got to be your mom, right? Yeah. And then, <laughs> so we want to be able to disseminate um, this information that can take anywhere from eight to ten to sometimes fourteen to seventeen years to disseminate. So if people oh, are it's, publishing it's
1: too long, yeah,
0: yeah, really good work. How do we get this information out there quicker? So I'm hoping to get sound, um, trusted resources out to our listeners as quickly as possible, um, just so they can, you know knowledge translate this into the clinic next day for our patients of today and tomorrow. So um hopefully our patients will suffer less.
1: Well I want to ask you that um disseminating information to is really translating scientific and academic papers into to when people actually hear the information and understand it. Where do you feel is the best do you feel the pocket? Which way do you think is the best way to do this? <laughs> Sorry, I have a bit of a stuffed nose. Um do you feel the podcast is the best, is a good way to Or do you find, or do you think another way like doctor, just, I guess single doctor does single patient is not really efficient,
0: but, uh, so but do you mean, which is the best way to disseminate this? Yeah. Information? Do, you think, do you think
1: podcasting may be one of the best ways?
0: Yeah. So I, I think it's, I think there's no one answer. And I think it's like, if you're a doctor of any sort, like I'm a physio, I'm a doctor of physical therapy. Yeah. Um, you know, there's a lot of different ways I can treat things, right? So for example, a low back or a ankle, for example. And a lot of people tend to understand an ankle sprain a little bit better than a brain injury. So I try to, to make this Correlation, you know, with an ankle, uh, if you have a high ankle sprain, you're you're not going to just go and, and play soccer the next day. You've got to you've got to rehab that ankle and you've got to take care of it. And, um, you know, we don't just start jumping on an ankle or single leg hopping or squatting on a, a sprained ankle. We rehab it we rest it we ice it Um uh, we still use it but we are you know careful and and we have restrictions and a lot of people don't realize because and the brain
1: is you'll feel it you'll feel the ankle every like given like years later you'll be like oh yeah i broke my ankle i, I <laughs> <ankle."> out <remember laughs> that that, ca- that can't it. happen yeah. <laughs>
0: absolutely yep that can happen yeah um but with like a really acute ankle sprain you hope for that you know that it will just go away and oftentimes they don't so you have to rest it ice it compress it elevate it and then we rehab it we put our hands on that ankle we mope it we move it around we stabilize it with our hands and then we work on you know doing that structurally with our muscles and ligaments and tendons as they as they begin to heal um and we know you know tissue healing takes about six to eight weeks of just to heal things in healthy people with no other comorbidities. So it takes, if you have a scar, um, that tissue really takes about six to eight weeks to heal fully. And sometimes we can only get 80% best on tissue healing. Well, with brain injuries, a lot of people didn't realize, and it wasn't until 2017 that we internationally said this, although physios have known this for a very long time, um, that you can rehabilitate a brain injury and a concussion is synonymous with a brain injury. It's synonymous right now with a mild traumatic brain injury. Um, despite there, you know, there being nothing mild about a, yeah. uh, a, tr- a traumatic brain injury. Um, it's kind of like having a mild pregnancy or a mild diarrhea. We don't really have mild <laughs> ones of yeah. those things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, But, you know, so the the, uh, most people don't realize that you can rehabilitate a brain injury. And we see this from an acute standpoint um, to out 5, 10, 15, 20 years, you know, someone might have some ocular motor uh, vision vestibular issues and and or a neck whiplash injury. And it was never addressed. And we can actually address those things and make people feel better and function better um so if that's you know if there's one person in the world that uh you know i can change then that would be great but there's no really one way to rehabilitate someone just like i think there's no one way for dissemination of information but i think in this day and age i think the podcast is an excellent free open source for people to use on their way to work uh in the gym and so on and so forth but i also think things like other social media things like blogs and Um, static social media things like Instagram or Twitter that you can use picture or video with is great. Um but just knowing that wherever you're visiting it's a safe space to consume that information. Um you just want to make sure that is vetted. Um because quite frankly, most people don't have access to or the time to access a, a university library. And one article can be over forty dollars per article if you don't belong to one of these university libraries. Um so we need folks like yourself and myself to mm. Break this information down and disseminate this information to the masses, um, because a lot of people just don't have access to it.
1: So how do you? How do you? I know I have. I mean, people. I often get people asking to 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 be on the podcast or to certain certain people to 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 come on the podcast. Now I get like all sorts of emails and stuff, and unfortunately, I can't answer all of them. But um, what was the
0: how question? Do you, there?
1: I wasn't a question yet, but how do you decide which, which people you will, who you will ask ask on your podcast?
0: Oh, sure. Yeah. It's a great question. Um, I straight up ask every single person on my podcast to come on. Um, I know, I know most of these folks, um, either through social media or in person, um, and conferences, it's a very, very small world of this concussion world. Um, so there's, yeah. So there's internationally. So most of us kind of, a feeling or a sense of who each other are. Yeah. Um, and my, my role and my, and I take it very seriously is to really have um, a consistent voice and a trusted voice in this space because there's so many inconsistencies in the concussion world. Yeah. Um, and, that's, you know, just to try to be a, yeah. a safe space for folks, both clinicians and, and patients.
1: Yeah. my that challenging itself It's getting a consistently uh, good message out there. That one that you're comfortable with, comfortable with disseminating yourself. Mm-hmm. And uh, that can be challenging because there's so much information, and we don't. I mean, like, you're a doctor, so you know more than I do. But I mean, don't know. Don't know. exactly everything yet. So there's, who says I'm not missing stuff and or i But I mean, I can't. T- I don't want to take that chance that I am missing. I am gonna share information that may not necessarily be, as solid and as consistent. If if I just t- t- let everybody, give everybody a chance to talk about what'll help them, because what help them may not help person, what help person A may not help person B. And uh, it's, you know, not, but if you can find them, that helps, helps person A a bit, helps person B a bit, or helps person A and person B and you know, to person Z, but not person, like, two. Or, you know, like, so it gets, mm-hmm. you know, I'm making this book up as it needs to be, but uh, I'll go back to another question about this, but uh, who do you, who have, have you found any guests I uh, that have already not guessed I shouldn't, shouldn't have put that I burden with that one, but uh any topics that you find are most viable for the to talk about on your podcast? Most yeah, of your topics. I-
0: yeah, I mean, a lot of the consistent topics um, that I covered, you know, one as being a physio and two, someone, a uh, survivor thriver who lived with post-concussive syndrome um, or persistent concussion symptoms. Um, you know, I still have a vision handicap with certain overhead lighting and things like that. Um, it, it's really the rehabilitative nature of this injury. Um, you know, we, there's so many facets of this injury that are both central and peripheral. So central meaning your brain and spinal cord and peripheral, meaning everything outside of that from your neck to your shoulders. If you got, God forbid had a whiplash injury, um, to the periphery of the vestibular system, um, and things like that. So what we found is that most folks have zero idea that concussion is a rehabilitative injury. So there's things that we can rehabilitate. Um, and it's important to yes, be an expert in certain realms, but making sure that we're looking at 30,000 foot views of these patients that come to us. Um, so if they have a, a neck injury or a sleep disorder or a mood disorder, premorbidly um to really understand what's happening with the patient before they had their injury right. um yeah. so we can rehabilitate them um t- you know as close to who they were before um and very important to understand as a provider um that your patients are people first and that they had a life before and concussion is an injury of a loss of i am a uh, traumatic brain injury you know you ha- you are the loss is i am funny I am friend, I am social, I am doctor, I am teacher, I am mother, father, funny. Um, concussion can can threaten all of those things. Um, so once you know people can kind of understand you know where their patients are coming from when they're coming in, have they seen 10 providers before they've already seen you? Or are you their first one? Um, and really making providers comfortable with saying, hey, you know what I don't know, but let me take the time to reach out. Because um, a lot of people may have some cognitive dysfunction after this injury, um, just from a simple glucose you know, imbalance, um, yeah. a neurometabolic cascade imbalance. And, hey, how has a medical provider that may be a little too busy in these day and age of 2020, how can we take the time to help our patients? And, and sometimes that's simply saying, hey, you know what? I don't know, but let me find the right people for you. Um, and that's where we can do a lot of um, good versus harm. Um, where a lot of concussion patients have suffered, um, you know, with getting mismanaged in the in the healthcare community.
1: Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally, for most people, are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. In your own clinical practice, have you, heard, have you noticed any trends towards progression of this, of uh, finding different people and, and finding accessing pathways for a patient for rehabilitation? Have you noticed any trends towards toward that, toward being it easier to do that?
0: Um, it's actually still pretty tough. I live in New York City. I live in Manhattan. Um, I'm born and raised here. I'm a local kid, the rent control department, you know, I'm, I'm never leaving type thing. And, um, you know, it's one of these things where I have theoretically, I have access to the best in the world. Right. Um, but I actually still have a really tough time referring folks, um, to people. I really have to vet and get to know, um, sometimes we have, you know, it's kind of like putting Picasso in the middle of times square. Sometimes you might have a really exquisite clinician, Um, who is very talented at what they do, but they may be in the wrong setting where they're seeing four or five patients an hour and that's not going to be conducive to the patient's needs, their rehabilitative needs. And I'm aware of that. So then I can't refer to that person. And so it's kind of like putting Picasso in Times Square and asking him to paint, you know, four or five paintings an hour. It doesn't really work. Um, so it's just a, a matter of really vetting folks that I can trust. Um, And that takes years and years and years of um, getting to know people and, um, you know, just just implicit trust. Um, So wherever I refer folks, you know, if I if I don't know, I actually say I don't know. I'm not going to refer you to somebody that's, you know, another physical therapist or neurologist or a physician of any other sort, pediatrician that I they have to be able to. I have to know that they can treat concussion and then they have the means to um, appropriately care for the patient in front of them.
1: So if, if, they, if you don't know anybody, that you just look for just do research and try to find someone for them. You yes. don't just say, keep going back here. and we'll Oh, it no, out.
0: no. The, the blind referral is, is one of my biggest pet peeves. And, you know, we can't just refer someone and say, hey, they have a concussion because I, yeah. as a, a a doctor of anything and someone who is both a survivor and thriver and a, a specializing person in, clinic, in concussion now, I need to know what the – clinicians belief systems and knowledge are of concussion before I refer, um, to anybody. Uh, and that's on an international basis. So I have to understand like, Hey, are they, you know, five, 10, 20 years behind the times, uh, of concussion research? And do they think this is primarily a, uh, a psychological issue? (laughs) Um, you know, when we don't know what to do with someone in healthcare, we have sent, historically sent patients down two trajectories one we've alluded it that they're malingering and they're faking it or that we've alluded that it's all in their head and refer them to psych now psychological things are very real Um, but I want to make sure that the patient in front of me, I understand that their anxiety, frustration, and fear is deriving from something somatic, like something physical that I could treat, or is it deriving from something truly psychological, um, where they had some pre-morbid issues and anxiety and depression and and, any other psychological disorders before their injury. Um, basically whatever you had before a head injury, um, basically gets worse. So if you had, you know. So it's kind of like putting gasoline on a fire. So we just want to make sure we understand who the patient is in front of us, um, who they were before their injury, uh, and take the time to explore that, and then really understand what's what's been going on since the injury, um, and where things are basically decompensating, and how I can help them function um, in the environments that they need to function in.
1: Actually, with that, with speaking of that, can you do that? Can you, can you do that for us or on yourself now? Who are you before injury? And what did your injury limit you, limit your abilities to do? And how, and how did injury recovery, your rehabilitation, you know, in a reasonable amount of time, obviously not like in a 13 year time span. We only have a, we I can't speak forever, but uh, give us an idea of who you were before, before your injury and what injury did you do and, uh, injury rehab steps that you took and how it worked out for you.
0: Sure. Um, so I was, uh, I played a lot of sports as a kid. I, I was one of the, um, kids who tried to sport specialize too young and um, we didn't know any better back then. Um, you know, my mom was a single mom. She did a great job. She was at every sport I played, um, even a lot of the practices. She'd bring snacks and give rides home to kids in yeah. New York City. Um, so nothing to poo-poo there. But, you know, as we've learned and grown, you know, putting your kids in, um, specializing them in sports really young um, can lead to a lot of overuse injuries. So I had, you know, an ACL surgery surgery. Uh, my senior year, um, some other injuries and things like that throughout, uh, a few concussions as well um, from basketball and soccer. So I was not a good soccer player, but I was pretty yeah. decent in tennis and basketball and volleyball. Yeah. And, and I played boys' baseball until I was about 16. Yeah. Um, so, with that being said, you know, I was a physical therapist. I was always active. I was usually pretty fit, um, was a spin instructor, um, after I had a few injuries, um, with basketball and couldn't play basketball anymore. So, um, I was kind of always on the go what my injury taught me is to literally slow down and I know people see me in the world and they they don't think I, I I'm a very slow person but um I definitely take time to recover so if I have a busy day um on a Monday I definitely take time to schedule that and that has taken years to learn um I schedule in rest time for like a Tuesday or Thursday so I'll see patients Monday Wednesday Friday and then um I just schedule academic time and um uh, you know, podcast time and things like that for Tuesday, Thursday and the weekends to so just relax and chill. Um, I definitely can't burn the midnight oil. Like I used to, I'm not sure if that's just being in my, yeah. my late 30, my late thirties now. Oh, or yeah. 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 So, but, but I'm definitely very, um, neuro fatigue protective. Um, I'm protective of my hydration protective of my, my food intake. Um, so, you know, I'm, I respect a lot of the folks who, who, look into the term hypochondriosis or the hypochondriac but when you literally know that you don't function well um without certain levels of hydration or if um if you can't tolerate certain lighting or environments you become a little bit uh, hyper aware um of your and protective of your functioning um so i'm just protective of my functioning and i'd I like to function as tip top as possible I think just like anyone without a brain injury would um but we're just a little bit more mindful of where we put ourselves and feed ourselves and um exercise and things like that so I think that's important um and took me years to connect to um you know on how to really function at my you know my best
1: right yeah no it does take well actually I was talking to someone about a. But nerve fatigue on Friday, cause well, I did a podcast on Friday. But of course, that won't be out until next Tuesday. This will be out. This is Monday, March sixteenth. This will be out on Saint Twenty's Day. And, Alrighty. Uh, yeah, and uh, and uh. So, but we we're talking about nerve fatigue, and how that's an issue. How she just sleeps, how much she she can't. But she doesn't. She doesn't plan sleep. She doesn't say like. At two o'clock, I'll take a nap or whatever. But do you do that or do you?
0: Oh yeah, I'm an, I'm a napper for sure. Um, but, do you, so... but do you
1: do you do you set times to sleep or do you or do you just sleep when you want to sleep and or you can't sleep or do you set have a schedule that I will now sleep between two and three or three and four or whatever.
0: Well, I think it's different for everybody, right? So sleep is a yeah. very important thing. So it seems yeah. silly because sleep—I don't know—we've had this like assault on sleep the last hundred years. I don't. Yeah. I don't know why. Even yeah. our our president doesn't like to sleep, which no. you know might manifest itself in what we see on television <laughs> sometimes. But um, you know, sleep is something like oxygen. You really can't live without oxygen. Um, and sleep is one of those things you actually cannot function and live without sleeping, um, yeah. and sleeping well. So for me, I like to do things in 90 minutes. Um, I feel like I get a full rum cycle sleep there. Um, but then uh, a lot of people also have uh, hypersomnia or insomnia or, or um, difficulty staying asleep. So those folks might have different needs. Um, but my needs are – I know I really don't so what's, feel rested. What's, what's,
1: so what's hypersomnia?
0: Hypersomnia is you're too sleepy, so you can't even function. You can't keep your eyes open during the day. That's right, okay. uh, in, insomnia is you, you just can't sleep. Um and both of those things are are not functional. And I the um,
1: narcolepsy are not the same thing.
0: Correct. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so yeah. So for me personally, um, yeah, I sleep. I take to ten. I tend to take naps in ninety minute bouts. So it's either, yeah. uh, ninety minutes or three hours. There's usually yeah. nothing in between for me. Um, yeah, if I don't no, have time that's... for that, I usually just push through.
1: Yeah. No. Sleep is so great, but yeah, I find. I find I can't sleep in as late. I do go to bed a bit earlier than I had in the past. Obviously, when I was again in my 20s, like you were saying, I don't know if it's just, you know, the age thing. But, uh, but yeah, but uh, I can't sleep in very late in the mornings. I find, like, 7 a.m. is, like, my, that's late for me. Well, not late, mm-hmm. but that's, uh, I guess, my average time, I guess.
0: Yeah, but I think we're, you know, if we think about it, like, you know, we didn't really have lights until like 100 years ago, that's so we were yeah. kind of all candlelight, Not, and really, yeah. we literally like, if you think about the spring flowers, the spring flowers kind of wake up when we have more sunlight and a little bit more warm weather, yeah. um, so I, I'm the same, I, I try to wake up uh, with the sun, I'm pretty good yeah. at it, you know, so I'll yeah, wake I up know, around 7am, like, Yeah. Exactly. Uh, um, you know, on days that I don't have to set an alarm to, to be somewhere, but... Um, yeah, exactly. I find, you know, what works best for, for yourself, you've got to have to learn and that might be doing that with someone yeah. who's a cognitive behavioral, um, uh, sleep specialist. Um, I've had Katie, uh, Siang Sikong, Dr. Sieng Sakon on my podcast. She's a cognitive behavioral, uh, therapist for insomnia for sleep and she's amazing. So she literally did her whole PhD on, on sleep and that's where she specializes and, and like a physio sleep is functional. Um, so there's certain things to to help people sleep, you know, making the room a little cooler, uh, allow your body temperature to drop, which allows people to sleep, um, you yeah. know, under the covers and things like that. So she she's really wonderful. And, you know, I take her quote 100 percent and I say, you know what, your bed should really be for sleep and sex only. Yeah. Um, so, you know, and I really go by that by that motto, because um you know once you start you know watching television or getting on your phone it might actually inhibit sleep cycles so um if you do find yourself having trouble with sleep you know give that a try you know your bed for, should be for sleep or sex only and it takes about 17 days to form a habit um so give it a try for two weeks and especially if you uh we're we're self-quarantined here in new york city so yeah <laughs> um well, canada's
1: so. not far not it's Canada, well, yeah. a lot of canada the same way so yeah.
0: Yes, exactly. I think the whole world. And I I think it's yeah. okay, you know. I think it's it's okay to slow down. Um and I did learn that from my from my own brain injury is you know, it is okay to slow down, um and, and now we seem to be doing it together uh as a world, so
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's out of necessity, but we're doing it. And uh yeah, so so finally just to ask you, uh, what do you have coming up at Concussion Corner Podcast that listeners can subscribe and look forward to?
0: Sure. Yeah. I mean, it, literally, it, it seems so silly. But, um, you know, Nick, Nick knows this. And, and I surely know this is that, you know, each podcast takes three to five hours to produce and put together an interview and just wrangle somebody down. Poor Nick had to wrangle me down to get to this podcast. But I'm so glad that I'm here. Yeah. Um, but everything takes about three to five hours of, your, of our time. And we do this for free for you guys for free. So literally just subscribing to our podcast, wherever you listen to your podcasts, um, Apple, Spotify, Google, uh, or Stitcher, wherever that is, iHeartRadio, just subscribe. And then, you know, rating us, you know, five stars is is so helpful to get people to know, um, to know us and, and, and just tell one person about us. That's the, really the most meaningful thing that anybody could do um, to help us grow. Um, it's brain injury awareness month. So thank you so much for having me on, um, yeah, no you know, this month, I hope, you know, St. Patty's day. So I hope everyone has some soda yeah. bread and, uh, a, a tasty beverage for me. Um, you know, we're going to have, we just had, uh, a tremendous clinician scientist. She's actually really one of my favorites. And I, I have no shyness saying this is Dr. Christina master. She was just on, she's one of the, um, heads of sports yes. medicine in pediatrics at CHOP children's hospital of Philadelphia, Um, And she just did some tremendous research that she got an award for by the AMSSM in 2017 and it was basically showing that um, using near infrared spectroscopy that Cognitive workload in healthy individuals without a brain injury or or neurological injury um, When a task got harder their actual glucose and energy levels went down, um, which is a little counterintuitive, so if you think a a task got harder that their brain should actually
1: want um, energy
0: yeah yeah use more energy but they kind of assimilated to the task and then that got easier for them so they used less energy what we found in that study is that with a concussed individual using that same task the king devick test um those their energy levels went up so their oxygen consumption and glucose and things like that everything went up um so what that really says was that's one of the most important studies I've ever seen because that functionally you know explained why somebody around 11, 12, 1 o'clock is just wiped out, neurofatigued. In um, yeah. kids we see that behaviorally with kids and adults we right. may see that you know in sleepiness or just you know getting a little agitated uh, around those times. So really really important work. Um, and then coming on uh, this week and next week we'll have Ron Savage who was the co-founder of the Brain Injury Association, International Brain Injury Association, uh, NABIS, uh Pediatric Brain Injury Association stuff, and um, uh, just uh, does amazing work um, for us, for brain injury survivors uh, internationally. Um, so, and, and they'll be having a conference if everything is okay in August here in New York City. So um, that will be nice to help promote um, their good work and messaging.
1: It definitely will. So, uh, thank you so much. And basically, before I let you go, uh, where can people find you and find Concussion Corner on social media, for example, or on the web at all?
0: Yeah, thanks for asking. So, um, Concussion Corner is on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Um, I'm pretty, let's see, Twitter is Concussion Corner without an ER at the end. So, it's Concussion Corner, uh, C O R N R. Um so there's that and it's at concussion corner spelled fully on Instagram. Uh, and we're just uh Facebook.com, so fb.com slash concussion corner on Facebook. So pretty easy to find. Um and I'm on all of those I'm on Instagram and Twitter at, at uh DPT to go. So like doctor physical therapy, the number two go, like stop go. Um so please say hi. Um, if some, sometimes it's a crazy world and we're busy, but, um, I always try to get back to folks if it's not the first time, definitely the second or third time. So please, I'm, I'm not ignoring you just, uh, have a lot going on. So please say hello, uh, reach out, um, you know, happy to cover any topics, uh, that people are looking forward to, um, and just really trying to support the concussion brain injury world, uh, the best way I know how at this moment, which is, uh, through this podcast and. Um, you know teaching uh, you know giving lectures to clinicians and and hospitals and things like that so
1: that's great well thank you so much for being on and uh, I hope you'll hope your podcast this week and next week is it go well and uh, I'm sure it'll be a short lesson so thank you
0: awesome and thanks Nick and thanks for doing all the the good work that you do and uh, really is a pleasure meeting you when we met i remember coming back uh doing my own rehab at that time in 2013 2014 and you're one of my first uh, online concussion buddies that i met mm-hmm. so it's really been a pleasure you know still to keep in touch with all these years and, and see you doing well no well
1: thank you so much thanks a lot no problem thank you all for listening and please be sure to rate and subscribe to both concussion talk podcast and concussion corner podcast Thank you very much. I hope you listen again soon. As always, the music at the beginning of this podcast is by Ben Sound. www.bensound.com. Even on a budget, quality is non negotiable. That's why Quinn's is the place to score high end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more.